0: everybody it's Brian thanks for tuning in if you're ready to buy or sell a home in Pierce South King or Thurston County please check out John Hurlbutt and his team over at Altitude Homes John's an old friend and someone I know you can trust he will also donate $500 to Ben's fund for every closed transaction I know how hard it is to find a real estate agent who has your best interest in mind John can be that guy for you and benefit a great cause to boot Check them out on the web at altitude-re.com slash hb. Again, altitude-re.com slash hb. Or give them a call at 253-222-2626. That's 253-222-2626. Go Hawks! everybody, it's uh, Brian Nenhauser, Hawk Blogger, and we are back for the latest edition. I believe this is episode 38 of Real Hawk Talk. Uh, with us, as always, my co-host, Jeff Simmons, up there in Toronto. How are you doing, Jeff? I'm good, Brian. Thanks for having me on again. Awesome, awesome. And uh, we are going to be joined by Nathan Ernst as well. Nathan's having some technical difficulties We will be missing, and I know a lot of people will be disappointed to hear this. We will be missing Evan, uh, Evan Hill. Uh, He is having his anniversary tonight with his uh, lovely fiance. Hope they're having a great time and uh, be sure to send them uh, well wishes and harass them um, as you choose to. But uh, we've got a great show. We're we're gonna be talking about a lot of stuff. We're gonna talk about uh, Chris Carson versus Rashad Penny and what's going on there. We're gonna be talking about how good Will Disley can be i uh, got to talk about Russell Wilson and the never-ending debate about whether he, uh, he's he got room to improve, whether it's the offensive line or all the above, um, and also just talk about the Denver game and looking ahead to Chicago. But before we get into all that, and in fact, we'll probably touch on some of that with uh, a guest we have, a special guest today, uh, Michael Sean Duggar. Uh and I pronounced that last part right. Is it Dugger? Dugar. Dugar. sorry. All good. Uh, should I should have asked you ahead of time. Uh, and, and Mike, uh, actually went to, uh, Washington state with Coug, uh, and you'll forgive him for that. For those of you that are Husky fans, that's all right. Uh, but he's written for the Seattle PI covering the Seahawks last year, and he's most recently joined the athletic. Um, welcome to the show, Mike.
1: Thanks for having me. I, I appreciate it. Shout out to all my fellow Cougs out there.
0: <laughs> all right. All right. That's good. Shot, shots fired. So, um, You know mike also is joining us with a a nasty cold so uh kudos for that really appreciate you doing that um so mike uh, i read uh, before we get too much in the seahawks just your story a little bit's really cool um you know i was reading your kind of your background you share the same name as your father you grew up in seattle uh you're a passionate sports fan and um you know part of doing what your job is is more than just Doing a cool job, but re- you know, representation and and um, people in your neighborhood growing up to to do some different things. And can you talk a little bit about it? Like, what is this job for you? What does
1: it mean to you? Uh, it's 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 kind of interesting being where I'm at because like there's so many people who are doing it at a higher level. Like like to to my friends and just people who I just hang out with, like on this like was running to from high school or something like that. It feels like I'm almost like the equivalent of like what a Rapaport or a Schefter. How I look at them, uh huh. Or how I look at like um, let me get some better examples of or like Stephen A. Smith. I'm, I'm naming some Black people so it puts in perspective. Stephen A. Uh, Jay adonde Jones, um, Jamel, uh, Michael Smith. Like I can just tell. I just tell my friends like anybody who saw me put on Snapchat it's like oh I'm in Denver for the Hawks game. Wow, bro, you travel for work man that's cool that's like the because you know like aside from the friends I met in college all the friends I grew up with in high school like only like a handful of us even went to college and then only a smaller percentage of us even finished right so like a lot of my even some of my closest friends just working odd jobs or whatever you know stacking boxes or delivering something which isn't like bad but comparatively it's like I do I'm, I'm doing a bad job of explaining it, but it's, it's, it's just like perspective almost. Yeah, no,
0: I get it. I I mean, I, I, I understand what you're getting at and, and uh, respect it. I mean, you're, you're, uh, you're, gonna, I, I always wanted to be a sports journalist, you know, growing up, um, you know, and it's not just your buddies that look at what you're doing and say, man, that's you're living the life. Uh and, you know, you get to, think sports all day you get to cover teams that you care about you get to talk to players on teams that you, you care about um do you all find yourself having to you know do you try to be a journalist specifically and be objective as you're covering them or are you also like taking the persona of like hey you've been a Hawks fan for a long time
1: and and you bring something special to to the way you can cover the team um that's an interesting question so for me I'm real good at being like I can hope that the team wins, but be objective about it, if that makes sense. Like I, the Wazoo gave me good practice, right? Covering Wazoo. We, we, there's some games we got dusted, right? <laughs> my, especially in the Apple Cups. The last Apple Cup I covered, I think was 2016. And we had, I think we had a chance to win the North. And if we won the North and then went to the Pac-12 title game, we probably could have went to the Coswell playoff that year. I was distraught in the press box. My story ended up fantastic, But if you check the group thread I had with some of my friends, you would think that someone in my family had died. (laughs) (laughs) And having that kind of duality, I guess, is so easy for me. Like, I I told Doug Baldwin the other day, I was like, man, I hope you guys go to the Super Bowl. I I want a free trip to Atlanta. Like, I hope you guys win every game. It makes my stories easier. But that doesn't mean that if they get smoked, I won't be honest about it. And that's like, I think a lot of us are good at that, uh, even if we don't even care about the team. But there's there's just like this stigma, like journalists, if you want the team to win, you can't be objective. Like I can want them to win and then still point out why they lost. Like it's so easy for a lot of us. Uh, And for me, it's super easy to be like, yeah, I mean, I want Russell Wilson to throw for a million touchdowns, win MVP, so I can write some good MVP feature on Russell Wilson. It's all basically selfish, uh, but it doesn't prevent me from actually doing my job the way you're supposed to do it. And I think uh, more people are better at that than they like to admit. We just we just don't like say it out loud. I'm not really sure why uh, we should. Most te- all journalists will tell you they w- they want to cover a winning team. No one wants to cover the 0-16 Lions. Yeah. Sucks. So, it's, it's probably awful. <laughs> so yeah, everyone wants to cover the the 2007 Patriots. Yeah, yeah. everyone would rather do that than cover the, the Detroit team that didn't win. Like I'm have no problem admitting that. And it's but it doesn't prevent me from doing my job. And as long as your final product uh, represents that, like mine does, then yeah, you're fine.
0: Do you you know I heard different things from different people. there might be a lot of different experiences with uh, journalists you know on the beat and and you know there's definitely clicks that kind of form and, and I'm curious if, if you feel like you've been welcomed into the, the fraternity or you know whether it's it's been tough to kind of break into that um, to that group.
1: I think at first it was a little weird. Not weird, just because, I mean, they had a bunch of inside jokes I didn't get, and they all, like, knew each other, and, you know, it's almost like the the media room. I meant to do a story on this, but I didn't know how to do it. The media room almost represented that, like, that core Legion of Boom, Russell Wilson guys, because it's like maybe some of these guys didn't all start on the Seahawks beat in 2011 or 12 or whatever, but the guys who were all there for the ride, like they had like a special bond. Like they covered it, like just like Russell and like Bobby and all those guys. Like yeah, we won a Super Bowl together. Bob Condota or Greg or even Sheel or Brady's like oh we covered a Super Bowl together. It's almost the same thing that they traveled all the same cities, go out for drinks and all the road games. You know we all share quotes and make the same jokes about the PR staff and players and Pete's weird way of explaining injuries. Like it's all it's all there together. So I wasn't in that last year. I'm kind of in it now like I can this is gonna sound bad but like I can make a Malik McDowell joke right and the whole room laughs because we all get it we all you know we're before I wasn't really in on the jokes, you know or the I kind of get the Kristen Michael jokes you guys get what I mean. like though it's those little things that like if I can say uh, a, a, you know a, a, a Malik McDowell joke and everyone kind of gets it and everyone's laughing at what I just said it makes you feel like you're more together than They'd make a T.J. Lang joke, and I'm like, okay, I kind of get it, but I know <laughs> someone's gonna laugh. So now, after even after a year, I'm like, oh, I mean, and also everyone's really friendly. Like, no one's been a jerk, at least not to me. Maybe uh-huh. these guys, some of each other, like behind closed doors, but no one's, no one's been like that to me, and that that really helped too.
0: That's great, uh, Jeff. I know you got a bunch of questions for Mike, and we start getting into some of the Seahawks stuff. Uh, what's top on your list?
2: Uh, from the game last week. All right, I'll go with this. If we're gonna to move to the uh, the Denver game, the biggest debate right now, if you're following any Seahawks fans or writers, is Russell Wilson. I don't know if the expectations for him are just ridiculous right now, based on what's
1: around him. But what was your impression of his game? Uh, I th- I thought he was he was more of the reason they lost than a lot of people like to admit. I mean, that's it sounds weird, right? But in, I feel like in this town, criticizing Russell just goes so poorly. Right? And it's because the people who are going to argue with you have valid arguments. And that's why it goes so poor. It's just like, oh, Russell needs to be more decisive, which he did. But then it's like, well, if the line was better, it would help. They're not wrong. Right. So you got two people who are arguing who aren't wrong. That's, that's never really going to go well. And especially if you try to do it over the internet, you're just asking for trouble. <laughs> you're just asking comment sections, blog, whatever, Twitter, you're as Facebook comments, you're asking to just get yelled at by screen name 123 and we'll call you names and it doesn't go very very well. For me, I looked at the the tape of the game. Um NFL Game Pass has changed my life, by the way. Um looking at like the sacks that he took, some of the incompletions like there's a good percentage of that that was on Russell and then there's some of that yeah, it's on the O-line. And it's not even like sacks or pressures. Like there was a play uh Disley, the overthrow to Disley in the uh, in the end zone. Mhm. Justin Britt gets shoved smooth into Russell's feet. So Russell has to backpedal, throw off his back foot, the ball sails. Well, is that on Russ, or is that on the O-line? It's like, yeah, that's on the O-line, but it just goes down as an incompletion from Russell to Will Disley. And so I really – I, I kind of split it up, like, I don't know about percentages, but a good chunk on Russell, a good chunk on the O-line, but not necessarily because of the sacks, and then a good, a good chunk on the run defense and the – like, to basically the front seven. Jesus Christ. Case Keenum was standing there as still as any of us are right now. Just slinging it all over the place. Like, though, if I had to, like, rank a three, I'd probably go pass rush, Russell, O-line, as to why they lost.
0: It's interesting. Uh, Jeff, you look like you had a follow-up. Go ahead.
2: I was just going to ask, how are, how are they going to generate a pass rush this year? The,
1: you know the weird thing about the pass rush yesterday? Sorry, I just finished my cough drop. these are really good it's like the cherry kind I love nice those are good Um, I was talking to Frank Clark after the game he said something like uh something to the effect of yeah they were doing a lot of max protection and some other stuff and some some quick throws keeping the tight ends in there and just extra protections and explaining why they weren't able to get to Keenum as much as they would have liked and then I was listening I was like was that stuff you guys didn't expect? He was like, "No, no, stuff we knew they would do," and then went on. And I, in my head, I was like, "Oh, that's bad. That's bad. They, you knew what they were gonna do. They did it, and you couldn't stop it. That's bad. That's a sign of like, yeah, you know how they always say we have to clean up some things. You can't even clean up that. That just means they—that's <laughs> they, what I'm saying. Out game plan you. They knew what they were gonna do against you, and then did it. That that was really concerning. Like." If, and it's weird because like they've beaten max protections and stuff before. I mean, Houston was doing it the whole game last year. They were only running Fuller and um, DeAndre Hopkins the whole game basically, and then just blocking with like seven dudes, and they still sacked him like three or four times. And Philly does similar stuff, so for them not to be able to get the case against an offensive line that isn't that crazy, that's where I look and say, oh yeah, the pass rush is a problem, especially when you're you're trying to help out young corners. Like Shaquille and Trey. So, yeah, the pass rush. I don't know where it's going to come from. Maybe they trade for someone. Um, maybe Frank just goes ballistic now that his elbow's feeling better. But they really need Frank to be a monster and then have some ripple effects, kind of like how the Raiders were before they did the dumbest thing ever. <laughs> have Khalil be a monster and then just create all these ripples because he needs so much attention.
0: Yeah, I don't think Frank has proven that he can do that yet. Um, but they, they definitely... I know he wants it. Um, you know, if he's going to be getting this contract that he wants to get so badly, um, Nathan. Uh, if your technical issues are cleared up enough, you have a question. Uh, you're currently on mute. Uh, there you go. Can you hear me? Yeah.
3: Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Cool. Uh, hey. Uh, so, uh, I'm curious. You know, with this being such a transition year and stuff, what is the vibe around kind of Pete Carroll and the coaching staff? Coming off kind of a disappointing year last year, I think a really frustrating year. I mean, there there was the the article that Robert Clemco wrote, and a few people have written about kind of the dysfunction in the locker room. What is the this team like this year? You know, it's new guys, but it's also a transition period. I think it's probably a little frustrating for everyone. So, what what being up close and personal? What is that like, and what kind of impression do you get?
1: There's a few. It's it it basically depends on who you talk to, right? So you're not going to get any of these. Prominent guys now talking about. Oh, I'm reading books and meetings, right? Because this is all new to Bradley McDougal. This is fairly new to Shaquille. This is fairly new to Chris Carson, Rashad Penny, even Dwayne Brown. You know, who's been in the league for a while. Brandon Marshall, even Tyler and Frank. Like they, I don't even think they've reached the point where they're like, ah, oh, yeah, this message is stale. But overall, I think what it feels like before those guys are really trying to set a legacy. Sure, Bobby. You know Byron, whoever Russ. Now the the new guys in those spots are trying to continue one, and that can be tricky because in one t- in one like in one sense you have like the blueprint. Oh, let's just do it like Sherm and Cam and Russell and those guys did. But at the same time, you're not really being yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, like imagine if Sherm came here and tried to be someone else, right? No, don't. If you're Shaquille, you don't want to be Richard. You want to be you. Just hopefully that. Right. Like trying to be Marcus Troughant or anything like that. Right. Yeah, I think that's – and that's something that Schneider has kind of hinted at, and I don't think it's getting enough, like, talk, um, is that Schneider has said on a few occasions that guys have come in here starstruck. He hasn't used the word starstruck, but he's just like, guys – Bobby even talked about it last week, I think. They'll come in here. It's like, oh, well, you know, I'm a linebacker. They have Bobby and KJ going to sit for a little bit, right? And it takes their edge away. I think he specifically has – he came at Tedrick and Delano, uh, Schneider has, in terms of that. Same thing with uh, Amara as well and for me that's really concerning and it, it shows the difference in like identity like michael bennett was trying to wreck the world and show that he was good so was sherman so was cam he was tired of being told that he was too tall or too big to play safety sherman was tired sherman, sherman picked his jersey number because of all the guys drafted ahead of him right that's a different level of like petty Rich, uh, russell was tired of being told he was too short like there was all these things about these guys at this edge and I don't really see that here and I think that's because a lot of them have come into a good situation I mean look look how good the team was when Frank got drafted look how good a team was in Tyler Jermaine um, but those let me interrupt you for a second
0: Mike like those are perfect examples of two guys now let's just go with Frank I mean Frank came into a pretty deep defensive line group and within the first few practices had the veterans talking about how good he was going to be and he earned reps. He was rotating in there and he was making an impact his rookie year. And by the second year, he was, he was, he was wrecking games for, for, for the team. So I tend to believe that talent finds a field and, and, and so some of it, you know, how much of it do you think of it is about, they just haven't had guys that are talented enough. How much do you think it's about this edge,
1: you know, that, that people aren't driven enough? I think it's, 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 it's a lot of both because it really – I mean, if you draft a safety while Cam's here, that safety is in awe of Cam, right? And that's really a problem. That was like uh, – someone when they got drafted last year was like, yeah, I used to watch – maybe it was Tedrick. said I used to watch Earl in high school. I was like, what? Oh, wow, we're all old. Like used to watch Earl in high school, it's like, no, you don't need to watch Earl and beat all of them. Go beat him. Right. So I think there's a lot of that. Uh, also the 2013, 14, and 15, we can say pretty much drafts were just crap for the, for the Seahawks. The 2013 draft was a mess. There's only one guy left in 2014, two guys from 2015. No one likes the first guy they took in 2016 or 2017. Or 2018 at, the, at, at this rate, with uh, Rashad averaging one yard per touch. Uh, so I think it's a it's a definitely a balance of both. They drafted really poorly from 2013 to 2015 for for, for sure. 2013, they must have. Did I don't know if they let had like a celebrity draft and let like Kenny may or someone do it because <laughs> that was a bad bad draft. So yeah. I think that's a that's a big part of it too. They just didn't hit like they hit before. And even some of the guys that they've had in here have gone on to, you know, be good elsewhere, like Alex Collins or even a dude from Kansas City who tore his ACL and got replaced by Kareem. I forget what round they got him, but he ended up being really good for them. So they just – yeah, I think the drafting was was a really big part of it. And the other part of it is that edge. You need dudes who are pissed off about where they got drafted and are willing to do the work. To go prove people wrong i think that that means a lot that's what fuels russell that's what fueled sherman michael bennett even bobby to an extent they were pissed and they played pissed and this team had a pissed identity for you know four or five years hey
3: you uh talked a little bit about earl there i'm curious what was the reaction or or again kind of talking about like the vibe of the team did they was was there a noticeable difference with were, were players really excited when he came back or did he kind of just slot in and and everything it was just business as usual?
1: I think for some of those guys, they had been talking to him the whole time. So, like, for them, they were never really upset with Earl, right? It wasn't like Pittsburgh. Like, it feels like the complete opposite of what the Steelers were doing. Jesus, those dudes sound hot. Yeah, two dudes mentioned how much he makes. That's bad. No one's counting pockets here, at least publicly, anyway. Um, and I think that's really important. So like Bradley McDougal was like, man, I'm just happy to see him here. Like Doug. Said, oh yeah, I went to go give him a hug. I just couldn't help it. It's like those, they missed him. They know what, they know how good he is. They know they like Tedrick. Everyone here likes Tedrick. They also know Tedrick ain't Earl Thomas. Right? Like that's, that's very important. Tedrick will tell you he's not Earl Thomas. Earl came in there and was like the, probably the best defender they had on, uh, on, uh, on Sunday. And you can tell that the players felt no animosity in part because they love Earl. And again, it goes to some of the being in awe of him. And the second part is that they understand, especially the guys on defense, even some of the guys on offense who are just at all aware, understand, look, look who had to hold out this year, Khalil Mack and Aaron Donald. If those guys can't get paid, of course Earl was going to want his money. And like Bobby said that on numerous occasions, he understands if he was going to do that for his family, I would do the same thing for my family. That's what, a, that's what like, the sentiment was. Everyone wants to get paid, right? No one wants to be broke. You're hanging around all these rich dudes all day. You're going to be rich, too. I mean, you don't want to be the guy parking next. They all have parking spots. You don't want to be the guy in your, your Nissan Maxima parking next to the guy in the Bentley truck, right? Like, you don't – these guys got egos, too, and they understand that. And that's the vibe that I got, mostly from the veterans. And I imagine the young guys are just like, oh, it's it's Earl. We need him. Uh, he's the best ever. So that, it doesn't seem like there was any beef like Pittsburgh. Complete opposite of there. That's a mess. Mike Tomlin should fix that.
3: Mm.
1: You yeah, know, I mean, Bobby
3: and Earl, how's that relationship? Go ahead, Nathan. Oh, yeah, sorry. I was just talking about beef. Bobby and Earl kind of got into it a little bit last year. Is, is that just completely gone, or or what's their relationship like right now?
1: I don't know if it's gone, but I do know. Also, I don't really know if their relationship was ever strong to start with, so that's – like Bobby's always been close with KJ and Mike Mo, and, and Earl's had Cam and, and Sherm. So I'm not really sure how tight those two were. They probably had a mutual respect and, you know, loved each other. But I don't know if they were going to each other's barbecues and stuff. Um, I don't know if it's gone. but I think the respect is still there. That's another one of those things I wish I was at the athletic for instead of the PI. Because I would have written a lot more about that. Because that was fascinating. Because basically Earl just called Bobby a liar. Because <laughs> Bobby went up there and was like, hey, yeah, you know, me and Earl talked about it. It's water under the bridge. Five minutes later, like, hey, Earl, did, you know, how the convo with you and Bobby go to squash it? He's like, wasn't well, no convo. Is what it is. It was like, wait a minute. One of you guys is lying. And no one really got to the bottom of it. I, I didn't have time to because, you know, we were clickbaity a little bit. But, like, now I would have dove into that. Somebody lying. <laughs> and, like, this is kind of a big deal, right? You guys are, like, two of the leaders on the team. I think what's, uh KJ and Bobby and um, and Doug, too, and even Russell, to an extent, if things are bothering them, they've gotten really good at not letting us know and not showing it to disrupt the team. And that's really what guys like Michael Bennett and even Earl and Sherman really bad at. If something was bothering them, they either wrote it or said it or called Josina Anderson or something and let it be known. And that's a no-no around here and that's why those guys aren't here i think that's a big part of it not just the injuries or the cap it's just like they forgot who was boss and john and pete reminded them who was boss you sleep in my meetings and you tell me how the offense should run i get you out of here and they're gone. yeah
0: and, and as a result they had a uh, uh, two pretty questionable cornerback uh, uh, performances this weekend um, and don't seem like they actually drafted in a way to, to really cover for those decisions that they made. So, um, you know, I, I do have some questions about how that plays out in the locker room, but I, I want to shift over to, you mentioned Rashad Penny, you mentioned uh, his one yard, one yard of carry kind of situation. And I haven't seen it yet. Like I've seen practices, I've seen the scrimmage, I've seen preseason, um, I saw in that scrimmage where he had some breakaway runs. You know and that was as, as good as I had seen him. But I haven't seen special from him yet—a special attribute, quickness, lateral agility, burst, power, something that really stands out. And I'm curious: one, are you seeing any of that? And two, do you think that do you think that there's you know do you think that there's a reason for them to keep splitting reps between
1: Carson and Penny? um let's see uh the answer to the last part is no not right now um the first part oh that big run he had in the the mock game yeah I think that was because Shaquem Griffin was in the wrong spot that sounds like a a pattern that keeps happening yeah I think because he was filling in for KJ and because I missed that big run like I was on the far side of the field so he was running away from me and I couldn't see uh but I remember I think me and Bob Condotta were talking about yeah KJ is or uh Shaquem is who gave that run up and that's really the only big run I've seen in a while uh, from him. And it, it sucks for Rashad because everything's just working. So, like, it's making that pick look so bad, right? So the pick looked bad in general because the numbers tell you you shouldn't draft a running back in the first round. They just, that's just one. Two, by training camp, Chris Carson still looks like the best guy, and they got him in the seventh round. It uh, looks terrible for you being the first round pick and it looks terrible for your organization, too. And then on Sunday, you got two other rookies. I think Philip Lindsay is a rookie too. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, you know, so you Royce Freeman and Philip Lindsay, who I believe was undrafted, you know, go off on the other team. You know, it's to the point where he, the coach called, uh, Pete called uh, Rashad Rusty today, and someone pointed out to me wisely, "How are you gonna be Rusty in his first game? Like that's that's not really how <laughs> rust works." You know, it's like, oh man, and to. to to really disagree with you, I'm not really seeing it yet either. It's just – and it sucks because it's not that we're not seeing it, right? Uh, that's part of it. It's the fact that we see it in Chris Carson, right? Like Rashad had no run greater than six yards or five yards yesterday, I don't think. Meanwhile, Chris is hurtling dudes, right? Like this is the, it, it, it's the contrast. It's just right there. Like when Eddie Lacey was bad last year or Thomas or whoever, it was just like, okay, they're all bad. This year it's like, okay – you're, you're kind of bad. Okay, but this guy's good. Let's just use this guy. And meanwhile, John, uh, Pete and Brian or Schottenheimer is just like, no, no, no. Let's just use them both. And it's like, okay, for what? Chris Chris ran seven times for 50 yards yesterday or Sunday. Rashad ran seven times, for, I think, for eight yards with yeah. a long of six. That means you're running backwards the other time. <laughs> I mean, that's – yeah, I mean, it takes – it. Pete's real careful about who he, like, slams or who he praises. For him to call Rashad rusty and to just talk about how Bash Kame struggled means they were really bad, right? Like that Pete's real careful about that. Like when he was saying Alex Magoo was struggling with everything, Alex is struggling with everything. So I'm 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 worried about the Rashad pick uh, right now, and I have been for for a while. Just because it, Chris is just so much better at everything they want to do that it's almost like okay, what, what do we get you for? You know, special teams. Well, we have Tyler there and David Moore is ahead of him on a depth chart for returning right now too. So yeah, I'm, I'm just as worried as probably a lot of people are about the Rashad experiment right now. Cause we're just, like you said, we're just not seeing it yet.
0: Yeah. And, and just last follow up on that is then how in the world does he split reps in the first game? Like what happened to competition as the mantra and having to earn your spot, like, what has Rashad Penny done to earn equal reps with Chris Carson at any point?
1: I w- I was, was I was watching a show this morning. It's got uh, Marcellus Wiley on it now. Actually, it's on Fox, uh, and I think they had uh, that a lineman. And he said something that Jimmy Johnson used to say. I don't want to mess up the quote, but it was like, if the fifth string running back falls asleep in the meeting, he's getting cut. If Emmett Smith falls away, he's getting nudged. Falls asleep, he's getting nudged. And just like there are different rules, so that was a great line. Because it really applies here. Always compete is not across the board. It is not. It doesn't apply to Russell. It hasn't applied to Bobby in a while. Um, it never applied to Richard. Um, and should it have? Probably not. But it, just to say that it does, like that to be the mantra, no. Like, yeah, you were the island of m- misfit toys for unjacketed free agents for a few years. But really, once those guys got here, none of them were getting unseated. Right? And that was part of the problem. They weren't truly, truly competing for any of those spots unless it was on the O line. So I think it's it's, it's Pete more of that message just kind of fall like falling on deaf ears for me. Like, Pete, you don't mean always compete. If that was the case, you probably would have given up on Jermaine by now, and you would bench Penny. If that was truly it, that's based on just performance. If it was only performance, potential, talent, you would have given up on Jermaine a long time ago and he would, he would uh, relegate Rashad to a third down roll or, or something because production-wise, it's, it's not there, and it hasn't been there uh, you know since, since he broke his finger.
2: So how, how does that go over in the locker room? Because one of the other stories from that Clemco piece last week was that that competition model they built on has gone away, and you mentioned Jermaine. Rashad's a guy I know. Doug Doug came out last week raving about Carson, how he can be. I don't know if you were in that scrum, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: talking about how he can be a monster. So how does that go over when that story comes out about how like Casey Williams didn't deserve to get cut last year for (laughs) McAvoy, or and Penny's getting these carries with a guy that the rest of the team is raving about?
1: I think it's it's a position group by position group basis. Like Mm -hmm. some guy, like a lot of these guys, they also know too. Like I mean, Chris Carson knew. Like they drafted Rashad Penny. He was like, oh damn, it was my job. So the Chad Morton, the running backs coach, had to remind him, no, 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 go get the job if you want it. So he did. And I think a lot of these guys, it's just individuals, they some of them understand it, some of them accept it, and some of them don't. Right. I mean, it's it's no different of a dynamic than like uh, parents favoring a sibling. Right. Or a teacher favoring students. Right. We, we can all relate a boss favoring employees like we can all relate to this in some form of our life. right? So it's some some people it's real easy to accept and adjust to. Right. And some people. Um, they either like it. They they get frustrated at the person or get frustrated at the upper like whoever's making the decision. It just depends. It's all it's all different. Like I think Mike Davis today just posted something that said note to self outwork everybody or something. Right, like Mike. Mike is an angry dude, right? And he can he even if he thought he was better than Rashad and he thought he should get the carries over Rashad, he wouldn't take it out on Rashad. And I think that's important too, because I don't think these guys hold it against their brothers, quote unquote. So I think if if it continues to happen, and let's say they're still splitting in like five weeks, and Rashad doesn't have a rushing touchdown, and Chris is like has is averaging a hundred yards a the game, then yeah, you might see something similar. With someone going to Pete, like, dude, give the ball to Chris and shut up. Uh, but it's the problem is they don't have those, those, those personalities here to disrupt it. I think the only person with that capability on the offense is Doug, and I don't think he's willing to do that. Yeah, um, there is some question, and I saw some news that came out
0: of the press conference today that. I listened to the press conference and I heard something different. It was about CJ Procise. and what I heard is a reporter asking—maybe it was you—I don't know.
1: Yeah, that was, that was me.
0: <laughs> what was you? So you you asked, right? Uh, have you thought about using Proceis, uh at receiver with with Doug's injury news? And and what did they? Did did you walk away with the impression that they are going to, or that that was an idea that that they had
1: talked about? Just an idea yeah. they had talked about. Finish another cough drop. Sorry. Yeah, that's all right. Um, I think he's well, his answer was something super vague and short. I think he just said, We've already talked about it. Um, he's had he has experience there, and that was all he gave up. I think they will. CJ is a good receiver, he just ain't better than Chris at running back. To be honest, he might be better than Rashad. I'm honestly not sure. I mean, Mike Davis might be too. To, yep. to be honest, they're all under Chris in one way or another. I think they might use him there. It might uh this is one of those situations where it'd be nice if we could watch more of practice because it wouldn't surprise me especially with the extra day if i saw c j out there lining up at receiver c j really wants to play running back at this point he's like mentally it's like i'm a running back, but he's also like i want to get on the field so if the accident return kicks or kick the kick the ball himself or play safety he would probably do it to get on the field but i i walked away from that yeah with the impression that they'll consider it, give it a shot. And if they don't like how it looks in, uh, in practice, then it, maybe he lines up out there like once or twice to throw him off, but like not full-time receiver switch, like I was kind of suggesting with the question. Nathan, do
0: you have
3: any other questions? I have two quick questions, if we're if we're nearing the end. Uh, one, is Bob Kondota as Savage in person as he is on Twitter? Or does he just reserve that for the, the random Twitter eggs?
1: <clears throat> um also I'm not I, I was gonna be scrapped for time earlier, but I'm not now. So don't don't feel need to rush. Okay. Um, Bob. Oh, no, nah, Bob's only spicy like that on the internet. <laughs> like Bob's super, <laughs> super nice. And it's sometimes weird for me to he said something I think just read it like ten minutes ago. It was super spicy. Um someone asked if they were crazy or something like that. And he mentioned their shrink. And I was like, Bob, what what are you doing? Um he's super super nice though. I think he just he's been doing this for a while. So I mean he gets and he also gets really dumb questions. I don't know how many followers he has. It's probably like 50,000. Right? So he can say something and he gets far fewer dumb responses than than I do. And I get some dumb ones. I got fired John Snyder the minute they drafted Penny.
3: <laughs> well, all right, that that leads into my second question. Does running matter?
1: Is running oh. important? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think, man, okay, this offseason has been so weird, right? A lot of people are guilty of this. Pete says we want to, like, reestablish the running game, and everyone assumes they're running the wishbone now, or, like, the veer. No, they just want to be better at it, not just only do that. Pete, from his introductory press conference, I could go pull up the clip, talked about balance. Balance is more important than running triple option, right? You're you're probably not going to win some football games running triple option. You know, that's why the Wildcat flamed out. You know, when whoever think was Miami was the new hotness trying it, and it didn't work uh, over a long period of time. That is, and yes, it's you need to be able to run the ball, but just because you have uh, this dominant rushing offense, if if you can't throw the ball effectively when needed, then you're going to suck. Probably not. Not just not win the Super Bowl. You're probably going to suck, and I don't. And I don't think. Uh, teams, I think defenses are too like dynamic now for you to see something like the 2000 Ravens or that I forget what year the bears went with Rex Grossman, but that was like the craziest thing I've ever seen. I mean, I mean even the Broncos team that won the super bowl, Peyton Manning was bad, but he was still Peyton Manning at the time. I don't think we're going to see stuff like that anymore. Cause you need a quarterback, like you need to be able to run. But balance is most important. I don't think Nick Foles is good at all. You know when he was good in the last two games of the playoffs, right? Because like throwing the ball, being being good at throwing the ball is better than just only being good at running it. Uh, I've kind of been converted by uh, by Ben so Baldwin. I think, need, I think you need to talk to Ben a little bit more. The answer is okay,
3: but we need to get you to affirm no. Running doesn't matter. So just keep working on that. him, Mike. Stay
0: in the in the realm of you know logic and balance and and stay away from extremism it's dangerous
1: oh i I'm, I'm real careful on my on my podcast uh but at the same time i'm I'm trying to end every show this week this year with a hot take and so far i've been doing pretty good because they're just so fun having a take is so fun i like it's, <laughs> it's the best thing in the world. i think my take on like a couple weeks ago was that like peak josh gordon was like better than antonio brown or something like that uh, just because uh, Josh Gordon got like 200 yards a game drunk and high that one year. <laughs> I was playing, Brian Boyer was throwing to him, I think, or Brian Wheaton. Or... Yeah. I he those quarterbacks where they were the worst quarterbacks ever assembled. And he was drunk and high every week and then got in, led the league in yards. And I was like, you know what? That's the best receiver ever. <laughs> and I feel good about that. Not, uh, I think running, running does matter. You need to be good at it. I mean, look what happened when you're bad at it. And you get the Seahawks the last two years. Yeah,
0: take that, Nathan. Take that and just sit with that for a little while. Uh, so, <laughs> um, you know, Will Disley, you know, he, he he jumped out there. And I admit, I did not see that coming. I thought Disley was going to be a guy that um, was going to make the occasional catch and contribute and be reliable. And I actually liked him better than as a fit than Jimmy Graham, um, just in general for what the Seahawks want to do. I did not see him, you know, almost catching two touchdowns and knocking dudes down left and right for 66 yards. Did you see that coming?
1: No, I don't think, I don't even know if Will saw that coming. (laughs) Some of these guys are like big shots in their hometowns. Uh, I think he's from, I don't know if he's from Bozeman or Missoula, but I'm pretty sure no one in Montana even saw that coming, right? Cause it's just, he wouldn't even get in the ball that much in practice or training camp and and I think Pete mentioned it today. When he gets the ball and starts rumbling and stumbling, he is hard to tackle. Dude, is huge. Like that's a. I interviewed him after the game. Like this cat is big, and he's got that farm strength. Right, like he's a big, big cat. Uh, but no, I don't. I honestly don't think Pete saw that coming. Pete had the nerve to say today, like, yeah, if he had dropped the pass, I'd have been okay with it. That's because I mean, he expected him to not, you know, uh, be good. I don't know if that'll continue, but. I think they see already more talent than they saw on Nick Vanette, which is why by today he's already jumped Nick on the, on the depth chart. It's hard to jump a dude off one game when he's been here for three years and Will did it just like that. Like that's, that's pretty impressive.
0: Uh, do, you think, do you think that that's repeatable? Like do you, do you think that he's going to not necessarily get 100 yards a game, but do you think he's a guy that – you think he can be Zach
1: Miller in the receiving game? Do you think he can be better than Zach Miller was in the receiving game? Uh, I think I think the tight ends and just pass catchers in general, honestly, this is actually for every position, but I don't think you really need to A, get a dude from a big school or B, get a dude early in a draft for him to just be like a star, like pass catcher. I think like pa- pass catching is one of those traits. I mean, even running back to an extent too. I think that when you're just good at it, you can kind of just throw you in there and you'll be good right away. Uh, and I think for someone like Will – To make those plays in the first game, that shows he's good at it. And two, that gets your trust from Russell. Because if if we learn nothing else from Russell, if he trusts you, he'll throw you the ball whenever, right? Like that's real clear. Like I mean, we've saw some good and some bad examples uh, of that. But I mean, that's if more than anything, I think that's what got Paul Richardson paid by Washington. Was that Russ was willing to just say, "Oh, you know what? Whatever. Here, Paul, go." That touchdown he had against Landon Collins against the Giants last year. Uh, I think it was on a trick play too. No business throwing that ball, right? Against with a guy like Landon versus a guy like Paul at that point in their careers, but he trusted him. You know, there's no way he should have kept throwing a Jermaine curse in the 2015 NFC title game, but he did, right? He should have stopped because that was awful, but he kept going. And I think if he gets that with Russ, that'll be more important than than anything because he's already got the soft hands. But if Russell was willing to just close his eyes and just throw it uh, to him, then. Then he can be as productive as 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 anybody. Maybe not as much as as Jimmy. I got to see it in the red zone, but he's he's got a chance to be to be good if he can get Russ's trust. Because I mean, it's not like Nick has a ton of it already, right? I mean, Will already had a better game than Nick's ever had in his in his first start. True. All right. After one game, do you have <laughs> any Seahawks hot takes? Dang, did I have one after Sunday? Nope, I don't think I did. Because I think Chris, my podcast co-host. Uh, reminded me that I did not. Um, Man, without Doug, they're just looking so rough. Um, I still think, though – oh, you know what it was? When Earl came back, I think my prediction was that he'd win Defensive Player of the Year. I'm not going to stick with that. (laughs) (laughs) I bet that has nothing to do with Earl. Um, Man, I want to say that Michael Dixon will be all pro. But at this point, I don't know how hot of a take that is. That kid had the that kid is so good. And he's so small. It's like, how is your leg that strong? He's no bigger than any of us. Like I'm pretty I'm like buck sixty. Like I don't know what he's weighed at, but Jesus. Uh, I think if they if they uh Carson could be a thousand yard dude, I think, if they stop splitting reps with the first round pick, they're gonna have to eat that one. Thank you. Yeah, that's that. I mean, I think it's possible. I, I tweeted something about Marshawn Lynch yesterday, and I got some bad responses. But it was a lot of people being really optimistic about Chris, and I was like, "That's fine." But in my head, I'm like, "If think you do right? this, this isn't a Kamara and Mark Ingram situation, right? Hopefully, because one of them's not juicing. But uh, this isn't like a situation like that. It's it needs to be a we pound one guy, and then he's tired. We use the other guy." Right now, it's just a my committee thing, which is weird. Because Schottenheimer was like, "Oh, we're going to use the hot hands. You know, we're getting everybody involved." CJ didn't have a carry, and they split with Rashad and, and, and Chris. I hate when coaches lie to us. Was so that was just a blatant lie for for uh, for for no reason. They could have just been like, "Yeah, Chris is going to be our guy." It's not like the Broncos weren't expecting that. I think these guys think the other team reads like press conferences and they read our stories way much than they actually do. They don't. I'm pretty confident in that.
3: Nathan, you got a last question before we let
0: Mike go?
1: No, but I
3: will share a Michael Dixon fact. He is six foot two and weighed in at two hundred and eight pounds in the combine, which I feel pretty respectful for a punter. So, whoa, yeah, that he's he's a whole package.
1: Yeah, did I mean, you see, did you is see
0: is him, crazy. like, clothesline the dude when he tackled him? I mean, people don't talk about that <laughs> enough. I mean, talk about his
3: kicks. This guy, like, Spider-Man, like. like we talk about Michael Dixon plenty. Like plenty. <laughs> oh, I love, I love
1: Michael Dixon. Well, he's,
3: player, he's probably
1: the
2: best player on the team.
3: Uh, <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs>
2: he looks
0: like the best player at the rookie class. He is the best he is the best player at his position relative to other players in the league on the team. Like he's, I think he's the best punter in the league. I don't know if we have anyone else that's the best at their job. Um Bobby. Uh Bobby and Earl. Earl and Bobby. Yeah, Earl. I think Bob, I still,
1: Bobby might be better than Luke Keekley. Keekley's
0: better. I love I love Bobby, but Keekley's
1: Keekley's on another level. And I think Earl's better than Harrison and Eric Berry. I th- can't think who else is in. Who else is in the combo? I can't think. For safety? Yeah, it'd be Harrison Smith, right? It'd be the other.
0: You got Harrison Smith. Eric
3: Berry definitely is a guy that people talk about. Um, uh, I know we're missing somebody. There's somebody else that we're missing that's really obvious. People are listening to Harrison screaming at us right now. Hold
1: on. Yeah. You are not of the good defenses, the Chiefs we already named, Minnesota. These are the best. Philly, I guess Malcolm Jenkins, but I think Earl's better than him. Yeah, that's not it. Earl, Earl's, Earl's real. Earl, I mean, Earl, oh, real quick on Earl wanting to get paid. I feel him. I mean, think about it. Tyler and Earl broke their leg in the same month. Tyler took a whole year to get back to being where he's at. Earl was back to himself the very next year, made the Pro Bowl, and was second-team All-Pro. It didn't get paid. Like, I mean, he's probably happy for Tyler. I don't really know if he is, but – like, from his view, like, come on, man. It's like, you guys let Tyler nurse his leg injury the whole year, which they should have. That's fine. But then Earl comes back, and he's just as good and doesn't get paid. That's, like, come on. That's messed up.
0: Yeah, there's other safeties, but not, like, free. I mean, like, Landon Collins is in the conversation. You know. Oh, yeah, he's good. Weddle's too old. Weddle's still in the league?
1: Yeah. And, and McCordy, but. Man yeah i'm yeah. having some great uh he's still in the league moments uh lately uh matt castle was the one last night Wait, he's still in the league i'm yeah, pretty sure cool. back up for uh troy. Um, troy yeah oh he was in the game i was like wait a minute <laughs> he bought a lot of time with one good year yeah like, good. the guys who can get around off one good year it is a, it is amazing because like RG3's already washed out, great year. Vince Young had that great year when they were like 0 and 5, and he took them to like 10 and 6. And he washed out. Josh Freeman was good for a year in Tampa, washed out. Like it's amazing who can buy one year uh, a life a lifelong career in a league. Both the McCowan brothers are still in the league, I think.
0: Are you kidding me? Last last question I got before we let you go, Mike. Thanks for sticking around. It's been awesome. <laughs> Is uh you know, what what's what's one thing that Makes you th- what? Th- what's one thing that could improve between the Denver game and the Chicago game that could end up with a better result?
1: Um, that's a really good question. I think it's Russell's decision making, I think that's really what it comes down to. There was, there was a it's those sacks and that spinning and stuff. Like, I can't, I can't adjust that enough. Second and one, you end up third and 23. Are you kidding? Me? You just can't do that in year, whatever year Russell's in. And you guys watch all the games guys are the, the defenders are figuring out how to fix all that spin and stuff. Philly did it last year and crap Russell in the face. I think he lost his mouthpiece and I thought he was concussed. You know, Dallas did it last year on like a third and five. He lost 17 yards. I think something like that. He can't keep doing that. And then I go look at these screenshots, me and Curtis Kravich actually do this a lot. He's a film junkie. He should work for a team. Uh, Like, you can just pick out the screenshots of, like, okay, this guy's open, this guy's open, this guy's open. Russ, you didn't throw it to any of those guys, and you start pirouetting and it took a sack. And you can just see, like, little examples of that. I mean, the Rams, too, in that game, they got wrecked. So I think his decision-making, as good as he is, I think his decision-making is the biggest part. That's getting rid of the ball. That's knowing when to run, when to step up. You know, I think Pete made a good point today. He was like, when the protection's good. He ain't going anywhere. Like, that's mostly true. But, you know, there's a difference between running for your life, which we know he's used to, and then running and spinning backwards and losing 15. There's no way you should lose 22 yards in a sack without a botch snap. Like, that's just how the heck, can I say hell on here? How the hell do you even do that? Like, that's, uh, that's inexcusable. So I think he missed Tyler on a touchdown uh, from the one that went to like threw it at Doug's feet in the end zone against Chris Harris. You can't do that. The margin for error is too small now with no Legion to boom. He has to be flawless. And I have no problem saying he needs to be because that's what he wants for himself. You talk to Russell, he wants to be perfect. He wants to be the greatest ever, compare himself to Tom Brady and all that. All right, well, go, go do it. saw Aaron Rodgers did the other day. That was insane. The Bears also aren't very good. But, like, that was that was insane. Like, go, go do that. Go make those throws. Go make that throw he made to number 81 that Aaron Rodgers did. That was nuts. Like, go go do that. Go be decisive with the ball. And it can be whoever. Me and my roommate were just talking. They only have two or three maybe, I'd say, unwinnable games. It's probably each of the Rams games and then Minnesota. Everything else is up for grabs. That includes the Chargers, Detroit, Chiefs, even at Carolina, right, because Cam's a mixed bag. If he's decisive with the ball and is – and is playing at like a high level like he was last year, and then even takes it to another level without all that pirouetting, triple axles and whatnot. Then uh, they could probably beat whoever, except for the, the Rams are a little a little bit different. But yeah, they could probably beat whoever.
0: Yeah, I think uh, <coughs> wise words. Um, so for people that want to follow you um, and the great work you're doing, um, so you've got your Twitter handle is uh, let's see, at Mike Dugar. k-e-d-u-g-a-r on twitter and then you're also writing at the athletic uh is that theathletic.com i can
1: assume it's a good i should know this i never have to type it in it is theathletic.com yeah i think like backslash seahawks is how you get to uh all my stuff and then uh you also have a pod don't you that is correct the seahawks man to man podcast uh I almost did our intro. That's how just like memory that is. Uh, it's at, oh, this is good. It's always at the top of my Twitter. There it is. All right. Pinned, pinned to the top. I can't remember the rest. But yeah, it's definitely there. Oh, it's on iTunes too. Seahawks, man, numeral two, man. Awesome. Hey, Mike, it was great having you on. Uh,
0: I'd love to have you on again later if, uh, if it works out. Hope you feel better as well. Um, have a great week
1: uh yeah they're off tomorrow so or yeah they're off wednesday i'm gonna sleep a lot um tomorrow hopefully hopefully they don't do something like put doug and ir or something i'll be pissed but <laughs> for a uh, variety of reasons we would all be pissed uh yeah oh
0: yeah i, I feel you all right man take care thank you <laughs> thanks for having me all right so that was uh mike dugar and uh works at the athletic a lot of great stuff there for mike he was a fantastic guest Um, you know, I've I've enjoyed watching him since last year on the PI on Twitter. Uh, he has a bit of a different take and he's definitely more free in his sharing his opinions than I think we, we get with some of the other beat writers, um, are a little bit more guarded, I guess you'd say. So, um, uh, what stood out to you guys, uh, Jeff, anything that that jumped out here into what, what Mike talked about?
2: I thought the criticism with Russell was interesting. I know uh, Curtis Crabtree, he mentioned, has been kind of hampering on the same thing since second, like the last quarter of last year. I was just reading his Twitter while he was talking about that. And it was just interesting to hear his take on that and just the lack of any enthusiasm for Rashad, considering what we've been saying all year. You'd expect maybe some more positivity, <laughs> but the fact that he's not saying anything at all positive makes it seem like we were onto something this whole time.
0: How about you, Nathan?
3: Yeah, same thing on Russ. I mean, I actually didn't really – I've only done a quick run-through of the game, Uh, but I I didn't think he was that bad. Um, Definitely could improve, but, um, yeah, I was surprised that he was as critical as he was.
0: Yeah, I mean – I didn't get the feel. I didn't. For me, it wasn't that he was being super critical of Russ. I think that, that we live in a little bit of a uh, reality distortion field in Seahawks Twitter land and, and fandom, where anything that isn't glowing about Russ it feels like massive criticism. Uh, what I heard him say pretty clearly was, Russ missed some stuff. He held onto the ball too much. The offensive line also didn't do their job that well, and they were responsible for a chunk of stuff. And the pass rush. And if he, and I think he said, even if you rank him one, two, three, I mean, he had the pass rushes, I think, as number one.
3: Yep. But
0: I thought he, I think a lot of times just <laughs> hearing someone's like pretty dispassionately. I mean, I not I, I don't think he's got a, it. He didn't come across to me as he's got an axe to grind with Russ or he's a line. Oh, no. You know what? he are just like, look, the guy is missing open people. He's, he's twirling around and taking 20 yard sacks on second and one. Like, he's too good for that. He's, too, he's been in the league too long and for whatever reason when you say that everyone interprets that or most people interpret that on the Seahawks side is like oh you're a wrestle hater like uh you know you you clearly like if he had a better offensive line he wouldn't be doing any of that he's perfect or like I don't know that that's my my impression that there's a little bit of you know this protective bubble that, that forms around him and I don't think it's really necessary. The guy's fantastic. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. He can he can be better. I didn't think he I, I didn't think he was great on Sunday, but I you know I thought he was part of the reason that they were in the game for sure. Like I thought he made some some nice throws. I I I, I was a little surprised at the amount of time people were questioning him during the game. Um, on, on, further review, I, I can kind of see it a little bit more, but, but I haven't d- dove into to great detail.
3: Yeah. I think he says, something mean, that, that was really smart about like, you have people that are saying, Hey, Russ can be better. And you have people are saying, well, the offensive line needs to be better. And like, yeah, you're both right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, I, I, I I mean, he did say that he thought that, you know, Russ was more of the reason that they lost than, than the reason that they were like in it, which is I mean, I disagreed with, it. I agree with you that I think he he was a big part of why they were in it. Um, he had some not great moments. Um, I don't think he played that poorly overall, but there are definitely plays where you can go say, hey, you, you could have done this, that or the other better. Um, but I, I also think, you know, we're a little um, numb to how good he can be like that. That disley touchdown, really all of the disley catches all through the disley catches were, were, were really nice. Um, the the sixty six yarder was maybe the least impressive, but you know he hits him just perfectly in stride and, and allows him to you know catch that ball on the run. The one in the middle of the field was a really nice play, um, and that touchdown pass had a lot of uh, uh, a touch on it, and you know he read it real quick. And so um, I think overall he did really well. the The Marshall touchdown was really nice. So um, like I said, I haven't I haven't even gotten through the entire game yet. So grain of salt with that, but. I just I don't know I've seen people too that have you know since the game that have been like wow He was really bad or whatever and I I don't really see that definitely not the Magical performance that sometimes we're used to with him, but um, not a, not a problem either. I don't think yeah I think that
0: anyone who says he was really bad is 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 from as far as I'm concerned that is an exaggeration. I don't think he was really good I wanted to say that <laughs> I saw enough mistakes where I'd say, yeah, he was not really good. And I'd say, I'd even be willing to say he wasn't good enough. Like for, for, for where he is in his career and how much the team is going to need him to uh, be one of the best quarterbacks in the game. I don't think that was a top five quarterback in the NFL type of performance. I thought it was, I thought it was good. I thought it was okay. wasn't great. Um, and, and that's, I think that's part of what what factors into it. Where, where I think we heard a lot of more damning criticism was around Penny. He did not hold, pull any punches there. That's what I was saying. I mean, I've been pretty clear since the very first practice that I'm waiting to see. And I think it's taken on a life of its own on Twitter that I'm a Penny hater. I'm honestly not. I'm looking for someone. That's why I asked him. I was like, I'm not seeing it. Have you seen it? Can someone point me to something that he does in any situation that is eye-opening? The best thing that anyone's been able to show is, hey, in the first preseason game, he, you know, he made a a wiggle that made a guy miss, and he was able to get a couple extra yards for like a five-yard gain. Like that's the biggest thing that someone's been able to point to. I'm not seeing it yet. I mean, if he shows it, fantastic. But I mean, are Nathan, I, I don't want to out you, but <laughs> what was your what was your take when you watched that
3: game? Man, uh, I made the joke about how he looked like 2007 Sean Alexander because you know Brock was talking about how he looked like.
2: <laughs> that made me proud. Uh
3: I I started out very proud of myself with that joke, and by the end of my end of the game, I was just sad about it because it just was extremely true. You know, he caught the one swing pass and he just like walked out of bounds like four yards downfield and then yep, he got the other ball and he like went to and and that was like a 12-year game it was a nice player or whatever but like and then he goes goes to make a cut and he just falls over I mean and uh, he looks a little bit like Eddie Lacy like he looks like he needs to lose some weight like he kind of has a gut and you know there's he had one play where I thought it was the same kind of thing as that first prison game where he made a nice lateral move and, and avoided uh, avoided some defenders and stuff, but like it was another one of those where he makes the move and then it's like, okay, let's go and there's just like no burst or he just like has half a gear it looks like. Um, and then to you know watch Philip Lindsay um, who looked. Like that dude, like the exact opposite. He got the ball in his hands and all of a sudden he was gone. Like, and he was, he was, you know, hitting the, he was doing Marshall and stuff where he would hit a pile and it's not really Marshall and stuff, but he'd hit a pile and then all of a sudden he'd be popping out the other side of the pile. And like, I thought Lindsay looked impressive and special and then he jumped out and like, he looked like he was the fastest player on the field a lot of times. Um, and, and Freeman looked like. <laughs> I think, I mean, we, we were all pretty happy if if Penny looked like Freeman. I don't know, Freeman went fourth round or something like that. So it was just a really tough game from that perspective. Like, everything that could go And then, like, Mike was talking about, like, and then Carson just looks fantastic. And Hurdle's a dude like you only see in college. I mean, it, it was just, like, a perfect storm of negativity for Penny.
0: Yeah, I mean – Jeff, I was on. I was pissed. I was really pissed. Like, not because I, I dislike Penny, but Carson is, the guy is destined to, to break out and be a huge additional weapon for this team. And it wasn't like in this game he didn't show that. When he got the ball, everyone talks about the 24-yard run. That was awesome. He averaged four and a half yards of carry on his other six chances with the ball. And he did better when he caught the ball. And there was a play called back because Sweezy had a ridiculous hold where Carson went for like 45 yards on a swing pass,
3: right? Like, okay, let's not get too excited about that one. Carson like jogged down the field for like 40 yards. Like, there was just like, that was, that was a really nice screenplay. But yes, every time he touched the ball, it seemed like something good was happening. It happened, dude. It happened like he, he is a weapon and, and hold out the sideline on that one, though. Like.
0: <laughs> I guess I'm just saying this is an offense that needs to carry the team in general. It's an offense that has a lot of question marks. You've got a guy that's clearly like everybody that's got eyes can see that one guy is meaningfully better than
2: the other. And they split reps. What the hell? I think that was easily the most frustrating part of the game. I, I remember right after Disley's big catch, was, that's the one where he rumbled all the way down to the five. And you're like, all right, Chris Carson, goal line, here we go. They bring in Penny, and they do that sweep to the outside to the left. It made no sense at all. He had no juice at all. He couldn't make a guy miss in an open field. There's just so many chances where Penny had the ball and, and had one, one-on-one one against a linebacker and couldn't even come close to making a move in open field. and right it just it didn't make sense like baby i know they're trying to blame the altitude or whatever and i know there were some shots of carson waving to come off the field but the fact that they played the same snaps and the same number of plays and same carries it's completely unexplainable
3: yeah so i haven't looked at this how many carries did carson get after the fumble
0: i don't know that came up you know a lot of people were like Yeah, I I want the guy that didn't fumble.
2: That's freaking ridiculous. I know. is ridiculous.
0: ridiculous.
3: If you want to to know why, like, coaches don't do fumbles.
2: That was different, though. Vaughn Miller is like one of three guys on the planet who can make that play.
0: Coaches Coaches don't
3: do fumbles.
2: Uh, Yeah.
0: For what it's worth, I don't have the numbers in front of me. Um, I can go back and play both. I didn't notice any change in in reps at that point. They still were splitting reps the rest of the game. Um, So I don't think that's what caused them to do it, but it's possible I'm wrong there. Um, Other things that that frustrated you guys about that game. Um, Nathan, were you frustrated that Brandon Marshall almost caught two touchdowns? Uh,
3: I was not frustrated by that. I mean, we can talk about, I mean, if, since you're trying to troll me, we can talk about Brandon Marshall. I'm
0: always me. trying to troll you,
3: dude. It's, a, it's my favorite part of the show. He looked good. Uh, I thought he looked like exactly what you wanted him to be. He made a couple of contested catches and he had a play where, uh, I don't know if it was veteran savvy. I mean, he ran a curl and kind of drifted into a, an open spot in the zone and made the catch, right? And Like, uh, I think if – if your expectations are that he's going to be like, you know, Brandon Marshall of old, I I don't, I'm not bought in on that yet, but he looked like a guy that can contribute to this team. And um, I wish he was wide receiver two or wide receiver three instead of now wide receiver one. But um, I I, I was, I came away from the game feeling good about Brandon Marshall. I'm I'm excited for him to be on the team. I think it's going to be, um, I think it's going to be really good considering everything else that they've got going on right now. That's cool. How about you, Jeff? Any, anything that uh,
0: either you took away that you were happy about that you didn't expect or uh, pleasant or unpleasant surprises, I guess I should say?
2: All right. We'll, we'll go with a couple on either side. Uh, yeah, you guys mentioned Marshall. That was definitely one of the more exciting parts of the game. Defensively, the, the play of the safeties when they were on the field together. McDougall was fantastic. McDougall just, for most of the time, just looked like just the guy since he's been here. He had a really good – he could have had four interceptions. And obviously seeing Earl just jump into the mix and play that well right away, that was great. From a frustration standpoint, I'd say just how bad the defensive line was from a run defense standpoint. We we know pass rush is going to be a problem. And they were an abject failure in this game. They they did basically nothing. The only sack was when, when Keenan basically ran into Frank Clark's arms. But, man, they, they were getting blown off the line – pretty much all game. Maybe at the end, they started picking up the run defense, but that defensive line group just looked terrible. And it was just hard watching them. How just the Tom Johnson didn't do anything. Shamar Stefan didn't do anything. Uh, I didn't see much from Jaron Reed. Nas Jones wasn't even playing. It was hard to get excited about that group. Cause they, they Deion Jordan only played 15 plays. So you can't really ask him to do much, but man, they, they look bad against what presumably is a pretty average offensive line
3: what's up with nath Jones Nath Jones can't stay active on with this group that like was happy with I think that's it I,
0: I I you know I brought up during the preseason I asked the question whether he was on the bubble and I was like no there's no way and the only reason I asked that not because I've seen him look bad but he, he was down the depth chart like throughout preseason you know he was playing against the third and fourth stringers and that means something there's something that they're looking for that he's not giving them and i, I don't know what it is because physically that guy showed a lot last year and and seemed to have some upside both as a pass rusher and as a run stuffer so i, I don't know why you know i guess it's shamar Steven, for example why why they're higher on shamar Steven
2: than they are on nas jones i'm not sure I uh, don't Pete's had a weird tone about him pretty much the entire offseason. I remember in his Combine press conference, he came up and he was raving about all these guys expecting to take a jump. And with Nas, he was like, oh, he'll probably play the same amount or less than last year on a team that just got rid of Michael Bennett and Richardson. So I found that tone really weird from Pete because Pete pretty much raves about everyone. So it's just been a strange tone of it, the fact that he was playing the fourth quarter of the fourth preseason game. On team that really needs young players to emerge, I found it was a little disconcerting that he didn't play much, or that Puna didn't play, and then the, the veteran guys on the D line—they did nothing.
0: Yeah, I, I'm I'm all for them having active competition in that spot. If if those if those guys are not producing results, you know, this week, I would love to see Puna Ford active and put like have competition for real. You know, Shamar Steven gets sent, you know, inactive for a week or. You know, I don't know if Tom Johnson would be inactive, but like really actually see what they've got, because if they're going to lose, at least let's see what some of these young players can bring and see if, if they can step forward. Uh, Puna Ford's a guy that he's got upside. We, we don't know what he's necessarily going to be capable of, and it'd be great to see him get some snaps. Um, switching switching uh, topics for a second. Uh there's some Cam Chancellor news I'm going to bring bring up. I don't know if you guys have seen this, but I'll share that in a moment. We'll talk about that. Before we do Trey Flowers, I, I'm pretty concerned with what I saw, what I also, uh, what Pro Football Focus saw, which you can just debate how, how good they are at their grades, and then what I heard from Pete Carroll. So I saw Trey Flowers do what I've seen him do so far in preseason and in practices, which is, He's okay on straight line routes, deep routes, fades, things like that. He's able to do that. But if there's a crossing pattern across the field, I've not seen him within two or three yards of receiver yet on, on a on a play like that. He struggles to be able to get in and out of breaks. I think he's a little stiff in his hips. But um, and Pro Football Focus gave him the lowest coverage grade I've seen ever. It's like twenty. 5.3 years something. it was like dark red or bright red depending on how you look at it. and pete carroll says I thought he played really well you know really encouraged by how he played in that first game what did you guys see
3: I mean uh, I didn't see worst cornerback performance ever um or, or you know that kind of thing um I definitely wouldn't say uh he played really well but if I was pete I might because I think, like, I'm not concerned about Flowers beyond that they're relying on him this year. Um, I don't think he's showing that he doesn't belong, uh, but I think that you're seeing a guy that's playing, like, full-time cornerback for the first time in the NFL, and, like, he's a fifth-round pick for a reason. And um, I, It just looks like he's thinking a lot. It looks like he's playing a little, I don't want to say scared, but, like, He's erring on the side of caution. Like you'll see these plays where like, you know, a guy will run a curl in front of him and he'll keep just like drifting backwards and stuff. And I don't know. I, we'll see where, you know, maybe he's a guy that can learn really quick. And, you know, if Pete's saying good stuff about him, even though he's not playing really well, maybe he's just trying to keep his confidence up. I mean, he knows he's got to rely on him the rest of the year. Um, so it's, it's, Almost certainly going to be a problem this year, um, barring some big strides. But it's not one of those where I'm just like, well, he'll never be anything. Jeff,
0: how about you? I mean, do you want to see them go out and dip into the veteran free agent pool? You know, is it Or you, you want to roll with flowers? You, you're good with what you're seeing.
2: I'd like to see them definitely dip into the free agent pool just to have someone to compete with them. I think who's the backup right now? Nico Thorpe? Yeah. So Nico Thorpe's a special teams guy that can play in a pinch, but really the guy they had, Dante Johnson, had beaten him out. The whole situation with him is very mysterious. Considering that injury it didn't seem that serious at all, and now all of a sudden he's on IR. And Maxwell never made it back, and Rogers Cromarty was a the guy they worked out. He looked all right in, for the Raiders last night. Deshaun Shedd is out there, Jeremy Lane, I guess. Is out there, he's playing uh, I know I, that's I don't want to see him. I'd rather see Trey Flowers play. Jeremy Lane cost us that draft pick last year. I still blame him for that. Yeah, you guys mentioned it. Flowers, like there, he does some nice things. He's good at the go route. He's he's kind of a fearless tackler. He looks a little he doesn't look like scared like some rookies do. Like but he can't defend like a crossing route. He can't defend a curl route. He's just not ready to play. He's a safety convert that's learning the position. It's not really fair for them to ask him, and they were clearly targeting him. They had matchup advantages in that game. That, that's not a great Denver team by any means, but they—they're basically every team that's going to play them is going to target them all game.
0: Yeah, and and I think I think Shaquem Griffin similarly really struggled and has consistently made some assignment errors that are costing the team points. They have an opportunity, you know, when KJ Wright gets back to make that a better position than it, than it is. I don't know that I'm seeing the, you know, other than Trey Flowers, if he just evolves, um, that that's a tough that's a tough role for for them to to improve on, um, given where they are right now. So I, I know we're, we've been going on a while. I'm sure you guys got to get going, but uh, some news came out tonight. We should at least talk about it because people are wondering. So Cam Chancellor on Instagram, he posted. Uh, a video of him playing football, um, basically highlights of him. And he wrote, fight till you can't fight anymore. Prayer hands. Hashtag stay
3: tuned. He's on, what was the picture again? It was a video
0: of highlights of him for sea playing for the Seahawks.
2: Uh, Is this another Khalil Mack situation?
3: Man, uh, I don't think I want to see him come back. Like, just, like, it's concerning that he's basically was, I mean, he retired, (laughs) like, not officially, but is he really going to risk it? Well, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it from
0: from two angles. One, you you want to see him come back. Two, do you think the team would be better off if he came back?
3: I think no on both. Like I I gifted a little bit on, I mean, his one pick was legit and all that, but he's, he's fine. Like, I don't know that Cam's better than him. Not significantly. So at least probably not, especially at this point, not playing for so long. And then, man, like, I don't know, like, maybe just mean like sappy or something but like like i love these guys like they brought seattle super bowl like i want to see cam like god it would be heartbreaking to see something serious happen to him like i mean beyond just the normal wear and tear that the normal ways that football destroys every football player's body like I don't know, like, yeah, like, I'm surprisingly, like, hearing this, like, unsurprisingly, like, really kind of, I have, like, a really strong emotional reaction to this. Like, I I don't want him to come back. I want him to ride off in the sunset and, you know, yeah.
2: Yeah, first of all, I don't even know if he can play. I think they put him in a roster designation where, I think with Bob Condoya tweeted a couple minutes, he's on the reserve IR. So I'm not even sure he's eligible to play, first of all.
3: They could release him with an injury settlement he could go play somewhere else yeah
2: maybe i'm not, I'm not sure the exact designation there but so first of all i'm not even sure i can't too i can't agree with nathan anymore uh first of all his body just looks completely different than when it's been the last couple of years when he's built up he looks way skinnier and so i don't see how he can get in football shape and get that size back and second of all it's a neck you, you don't want to take chances with a neck it's it's really it's a, it's a that's why it, and for the, from the Seahawks standpoint like I, I just don't I don't think it makes sense I think Bradley McDougald the guy you kind of want to see what he has and obviously Cam brings great memories and he's one of my favorite players to watch in this in this era of Seahawks football and he'll be one of my favorite players ever but I, I just don't see the logic and even the idea it doesn't make sense to me on a number of levels yeah, I, I'm with both of you on, the, on on all the points, and I won't
0: pile on because you just made him pretty well. Some folks in the chat are saying, "Well, maybe he's talking about becoming a coach. Maybe he's gonna come back and participate that way." Uh, sure, that's fine. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I, if he can help, great. Let's let's find some help because the secondary needs some help. Um, it, it wasn't it wasn't that pretty this week. I think they got destroyed by Case Keenum and. Uh, that's like they, they, you know. I think the safety position was interestingly a really a strength. While we're talking about Cam, I mean McDougal and 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 Earl played really well. McDougal played better than I thought. He, I did not expect him to be able to create turnovers the way he did. You know, maybe we'll never see a game like that again. But he was an easy catch away from three interceptions in that game. Um, and uh,
3: was playing pretty loose. <laughs> the one where he broke on the ball and, and had to die i think they probably did they review that one too or uh he went to the ground with it i don't remember but that one was nice that was a really nice play but he had the one that just got popped up that um that he didn't he didn't catch and then the one that i mean keenan just kind of <laughs> <laughs> yeah thank god for keenan I
0: mean, right yeah i mean that he so let's let's, let's last thing we'll talk about before we kind of wrap up for the night is is you know, what from what we learned in the first game, um, where do you guys at in Chicago? Like what what would what do you think? Let's let's make let's let's ask actually, what what would it take for the Seahawks to win that game?
3: I don't know that it's a lot. I to me, I think this, this game is gonna be very similar to the Broncos game. Um and so maybe what it will take for them to win is to not play in mile high. Um, but I think they just need Russ to be a little crisper. Um, probably give Penny uh, a few less carries or maximize those carries. Um, and, and and then just a little bit, I think, you know, there's some critiques of, shot. I don't think Shadi was a problem or anything really, but I think there, there, there was a couple where you could look at him, look at what they did and, and especially that one third down where they ended up kind of taking a shot to Vinette. They probably should have ran it after that if that's what they were going to do, go go for it. But, um, I mean, I, it doesn't actually feel that far away because I don't think Trubisky is going to be a whole lot better than Keenum was. And so maybe it really it's just as simple as not having to fight the altitude. Um, but I think that, you know, they're going to have all the same problems. Like they're going to have all the problems with Khalil Mack that they have with Von Miller. And um, they're on the road. All that stuff. It's it's gonna be Monday night. I don't know if that really changes much. I mean, they usually do well in the in those big games, but a lot of times those are home games too. So I, I don't think they're that far, but I, I don't think that they're gonna win either. Jeff, how about you?
2: Yeah, that Denver game was just it was just a like none of us the, the three of us all thought they'd lose that game. We were definitely more on track than Evan was. Sorry, Evan. Um it was just a weird game. It was just bizarre on a lot of levels, and maybe that's the mile-high thing, or maybe that's the Seahawks having so many young guys and so many new players. It just was a weird game to watch. There's, so I guess expecting things, maybe for Seattle to compete, they're going to have to do a little better from the sack perspective, whether that's on the O-line or that's on Russell. Six sacks is a lot. They're going to have to just be smarter. We were talking about the spins earlier. It seems like the league's kind of got the book on that spin move. I know it's not a huge problem, but maybe Russell hanging in the pocket a little more, maybe trusting his receivers. Doug being out was a big factor in that game, and everyone's talking about third downs. Not having Doug there, his, his bread and butter. So maybe trusting guys like Brandon Marshall or David Moore or Jerron Brown. I think just Russell having more trust in his guys where he can just make a quick, decisive decision rather than waiting. Is Khalil Mack coming all day? That's, he looked fantastic in his first game. And yeah, I think Carson needs to get a lot more run than not penny i wouldn't care if penny got like two snaps this week it's probably not realistic but and i guess the next thing is hmm, play, playing playing or the whole game what the, the splits between when earl was off and when earl was on are massive and you can see how just how much earl changes the game and mitchell Trubisky doesn't look like a. they're a team that's really going to be really schemed up and they're going to have A lot of just quick passes to maybe exploit Trey or Shaq Griffin or Kalitra, whoever's playing. So having her all out there the whole game, that really is going to help.
3: Was that tipped pass that McDougal didn't bring in, was that the very first pass it was, right? Very first pass by the Broncos? that
2: was the first third down. Yeah.
3: Man, that was like – after watching – after waiting all preseason – for Tedrick to do something and then Earl just explodes and goes up and kind of goes you know you know bodies up with Demarius Thomas who's just you know a beast of a receiver and and pops that ball up like that it was just like oh oh Earl's bat like it was so cool like the game was frustrating and stuff but that moment was so cool to be like for a little while like oh shit maybe this is Maybe I, maybe I forgot about Earl. Maybe, maybe they're going to win this game. Like that was just such, you know, I mean, it, it, it was a tough catch, uh, but man, it was just super apparent when, when right off the bat that like Earl just changes everything.
0: He does. He, he's, I mean, he's an incredible talent. He, he's he's going to be one of the best players for sure that ever plays in a, in a CX uniform. There's no doubt about it. And look, if I'm a Bears fan and I'm looking at the Seahawks, I'm looking at my chops for a couple of reasons. One, Khalil Mack, everyone's going to talk about it all week. And of course they should, and there's no reason they shouldn't. You know, that's a matchup that's heavily in their favor. But I think the other things that they've got, um, you know, Cohen uh, at running back, and I think they have Taylor Gabriel as well. And those kind of quick, screen kind of guys, um, especially if Shaquille Griffin is going to be the guy that's in there. There's a lot of ways that they can scheme to kind of confuse and create space again. And, and, you know, it's not a matter of whether people often think defense, a good defense is just about talented players that are athletic and make, you know, f- run fast and hit hard. You're in the wrong spot doesn't matter how fast you are or how, how you can jump. Like that's what most offenses are looking to do is to scheme you out of position so that they have a really easy play. And that's one of the things Seahawks defense did not get enough credit for is those guys, when they, when they're, you're hearing them talk about communication and that's, you know, Earl's talking about, we need to get better at communicating and Bobby's talking about it. That's about, you know, making sure that people are assignment correct, that they're in the right place, the right time, the teammates can count on them occupying the right place on the field. And the Seahawks aren't there yet. And so it, it can make up for a really easy time. It only takes a couple plays to to break an open. So that, that's, that's where I would be if I'm a Bears fan, like we're, you know, looking at this from that angle. From a Seahawks perspective, look, I'll admit, guys, they, they scored more points than I thought they would score in this week against Denver, uh, that game, there was a point in that game where it felt like it was just about to be a blowout for the Broncos. Like it, I can't remember exactly when it was, but like the Seahawks were not able to stop them on defense. It was looking pretty ugly. The offense was, you know, continually giving the ball back and they kind of found a way and, you know, they, they found a way to stay into the defense did make a couple stops. Um, and gave the offense a chance the second half most of the third quarter Denver didn't score and you know Tyler Lockett did have a big catch for a touchdown and Brandon Marshall should have had two touchdowns and Chris Carson did look pretty good Will Disley did look pretty good so you know I think Mike hit it on the head you know not it's going to come across as criticism and I don't mean it to be at all but if Russell can play elite at the quarterback position if he can be really efficient with the ball you know and and make really good decisions there and if chris carson can be the guy getting the bulk of the carries i think there's some upside for for the seahawks in this game um i think the other thing i'd point out is is deon jordan did not he only got 15 snaps and he did reasonably well with those snaps. he almost had a pick that, uh, that would have been great but um i think he's a plus player and I think getting him some more snaps will help. So those are my reasons for optimism. And then there's always Michael Dixon, which of course, um, how can you not be optimistic with that guy? Um, any closing thoughts fellows before we wrap this, this bad boy up, I'm not seeing anything I'm seeing, I'm seeing guys ready to, to,
3: to hit the head, hit the hay. Oh, 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 he's not here. But I do want to make fun of Evan for tweeting out that the Seahawks should stop giving Rashad Penny carries while wearing a Rashad Penny jersey. (laughs) That was the highlight. That was the best moment of Sunday.
0: That was pretty good. That was pretty good. Uh, And I hope hope for – for Evan's sake that they do win on, on Monday. Um, I mean, I usually just care for myself that they win on, on any given day, but it's going to be really tough on Evan. If they're 0 two. that's going to be really tough. All right, fellas. Thank you. And, uh, thanks for everyone that joined tonight. Thank you for Mike uh, Dugar who joined. We'll definitely try to get him back on again. He was a fantastic guest. Um, if you missed the beginning, please, uh, check out the replay and join, um, become a hawk blogger patron uh patreon.com p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash hawk blogger you can follow me at hawk blogger on twitter you can follow jeff at real jeff simmons and you can follow nathan at nathan e11 uh, on twitter everybody go hawks